getting tired of not knowing the truth, Chris. Tell me what you know. I, I can't. It'll, it'll change the world and, and maybe not for the best. Damn it, Chris. You're putting me in a tough spot. Man, what is it you know that's so groundbreaking? I, I can't say. Come on, Chris. I know you want to spit it out. Come on. Please don't make me say it. You'll hate it too. Spit it out, man. Oh, there are no good double albums. I'm, I'm sorry, what? Well, that's it. There, there are no good ones. Wait, 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 wait. None at all? Nope. Literally none. Literally none. Not, not even the fucking wall. Not the wall? But there are some great tracks on there. Some really good ones. How can that not be a great piece of double album masterwork? Even my daughter disagrees. Well, yeah, but dude, no, no, not Springsteen, not Pink Floyd, not the Rolling Stones, or even Led fucking Zeppelin. None of those legends really perfected the, the double album, even though the albums might be great themselves, you know? Damn. This is tough. Dude, it's, it's the fault of the format, man. It's, it's not your fault, it's not mine. That's just the way it is. I guess you're right. But this... This... Changes everything. Can you say podcast? Hello and welcome to this week's episode of BPM Pod, the podcast where we get behind people's music really good you could be here today to listen to not just one aging gradually more depressed music fan rant and moan about nonsense but also alongside me our brand new co-host as of one week mr chris feinhardt welcome sir thank you very much and welcome everybody how are you doing i'm doing fine a bit tired uh, but uh, we had McDonald's for breakfast, so I'm pumped. <laughs> pumped, exactly. On the last episode, we talked a little bit about uh, your background and stuff like that and how it feels to be on this, and you brought up double albums. So we're going to talk about double albums in a little while and see what we what we think about them and what ones work and some that don't. And mostly we fear they don't. So that's a spoiler for that part. Then we're going to talk about gear uh, to end off the episode as well. As uh, soon as you ended the episode last week, asking me for some gear that I love and the stories behind it. And then now we're going to end that with you this week. And in between, we have our special guest, Moves Johnson, who's going to come in and talk to us for a few minutes about some of his work at the moment, which has gone from folk singer-songwriter to more orchestral kind of stuff bit of a jump so we'll talk to him see what he's been up to and see if he'll be able to perform the orchestral pieces with a full band at some point this year hell That'd yeah be cool cool thing so uh, that would be nice i had a question for you though that actually i was asked by my wife of all people sure and and it is your band name or your artist name is mm. Vineheart, right all right and why is that because it's your last name but why right. did you pick it um hmm. tough question ego that's right <laughs> if, if eddie van halen can do it i fucking can do it as well no um i i don't i don't know it just 
I think it was the only thing I could think of at the time because I wanted to get away from the whole session musician thingy and mm. just thought, well, it would be pretty fucking stupid to just call myself Chris. Like that would be a <laughs> fucking band, right? This is a new <laughs> album of Chris, Chris, Chris who? Like, uh, so I mean, I hope there's an artist out there now called Chris. That's his name. Just I Chris. Th- I think so. There is a DJ in uh, Brandenburg, Berlin, Brandenburg, who calls himself DJ Chris. So <laughs> very inspiring stuff. And my uh, grandmother once mistook me for him, him for me. She was asking wow. me, oh, I saw that. I saw that like thing on the street. DJ Chris, is that you? Mm. <laughs> I said, no, sorry. <laughs> DJ Chris said it's me. Wow. Mm-hmm. But, but there was, so there were no other weird names you considered before Vinehart? Nothing like uh, Death I, Rail. <laughs> or... I, I think for one solo show, acoustic gig thingy, I called, well, called myself, but I, I, I used as an artist name CMW Chris, because those are my initials, right? Chris, Mark, Vinehart. Um, but other than that, no, I think Weinhardt is like a pretty unusual thing, uh, like an unusual name. But it is, but it isn't, because I think in America there are like a lot of similar names, like Steinhardt and uh, Weinstein and whatever. So it's it's common, but it's not. So I don't know. I don't think too much about it. And I think it's an old German word for wine, wine hill or something like that. Um, yeah, I was going to say, I think it, I think it must be something about like wine mountain or wine hill or something like that, I right. guess. Mm-hmm. If you literally translated it and went it back. Prob- but it then probably got... means biggest fucking dig in all of <laughs> Germany. <laughs> <laughs> probably big historical thing of do not name your family this. It's probably <laughs> something. But and then I got thinking we should do a little quick quiz. Right. On real or fake band names. Oh, damn, that's awesome. Because it got me thinking, will he be able to detect how many of these are real or fake? So I've compiled a few for you that I'm going to spring at you right now. That's cool. Okay. I'm ready. Cracked history. Cracked history. I. Oh, dude. I'd like to say I've heard that one before. But I, I don't know. I don't know if my brain's just uh, like uh, playing tricks on me, but I think your brain is. No, your brain's totally playing tricks with you. It is a hundred percent fake. It is. Yeah. Dang. Unfortunately. Fuck. This okay. would be fun. It's what if they were real? What music would they play? Actually. Say say, say the name name again, please. Cracked history. Cracked history. Up to probably post rock or or like progressive post-rock. rock. Like um yeah. um pub, uh, what's what's the name? Public service announcement? The Alan Parsons Project. Oh, that's real. I know that one. It's awesome. I love it. Next, porno for pyros. Porno for what? Pyros, as in pyrotechnics. Oh, right. Um, I'm going with... It's not It's not a real name. It's not a real name. I'm afraid that's wrong. Jesus. It is a real name. Former Jane's Addiction frontman Perry Farrell came up with the name while watching coverage of the LA riots on television. Don't know where the porno bit of that comes from, seeing as he's watching <laughs> riots, but okay, whatever. Damn, I Maybe suck it was at on this. his phone. The, the. That's a real band. It is. Well done. 
but I don't know what kind of music do I play. Do you know? I don't know. I j I just know of them and I've heard them. They're British. I know that. And um, right. I think the lead singer is called something really stupid. Like, he, he. I think he's. I think he's also got yeah, like a double name, like John Johnson or <laughs> Rob Robertson or something like that. Like it's bizarre. Bodie makes so, um, face. Yeah, but the 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 are a band for sure. Um, March the deceased. I think that's a real one too, right? Completely not. Damn! Wait, what up. am I thinking about? Oh, uh, trail Mar trail of the dead. March the deceased sounds like a fucking doom metal band, though. Right, like, it really right. does. Yeah, it's like, like swallow the sun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mother Union. Mm, probably not real. It's not real. Yes. <laughs> We're totally being it'd be an anarchist left wing Berlin punk band, I'm pretty sure. Oi punk. <laughs> so Huberstank. Oh, that's a real one. Cause the reason is you. You know a song by them? I, I do, I, I do know this. I know several of them. Crawling in the Dark is awesome. And my very good friend Ulf Winter, who is an amazing fucking drummer, who I've been on tour with played support for them because Ulf uh, plays with uh, Dean from Tidal Wave and you know them yeah, you've yeah. done an episode Dean with Schweizer. them yeah right and they supported Hoover's Tank for their Germany tour in 2019 wow knowledge bomb what a nice, dropped what a nice musical connection that is yeah dude we should totally have Ulf Winter on the podcast he's amazing he does dude he's like I think one of the best drummers uh, in Germany right now. Okay, let's get on it. We'll try and do that. Um, I only have two more for you. Right. Swords of Oath. Oh, that sounds like a, like a folk metal band, like Enziferum or um, Korpi Klani. Uh, but I is think, it real or fake? I think, yeah, they have to be real. It's fake. Shit. Okay. I just, I just found random words, stuck them <laughs> together. Are you and good at the this? last one. Thank you. And the last one, Young Time Frankie. Mm. That's so weird. Young Time Frankie. Um, I'm going with, yeah, it's real. It's fake again. Shit. You're, you're not so good at this, man. No, no, like, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not. Or I'm really good at making up band names. One of the two. You should do something creative, like making music. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you should actually do something. <laughs> like, shocker. I've been invaded by my wife. No, she's there. She is. You can say hello, Wendell. Hello. Wait, I, do edit, I do edit this to cut some bits out. Oh, you know. okay. This will be a bit that we'll keep in. The rest of it will cut out. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, I'm afraid you, you didn't do so well on the uh, on the whole band. I'm sorry. Thing, was that was that my like my um, assessment center for being a co-host? That was your yeah first assessment of co-hosting, but we'll test moves later. And okay. I don't think he's going to do much better, to be honest. Like, <laughs> um, and we'll talk about his band name, Moves Johnson and the Box Hoppers, a little bit later on. Um, now, let's talk about double albums, Eight. what we wanted to talk about last week. Mm -hmm. So, we mentioned, I mentioned double albums very quickly, I think when we were talking about the Foo Fighters, because there's a double album they... Do in your honor which i actually quite like and think it works quite well because it's a sort of electric side and an acoustic side all different songs but um it just has a different vibe and i think it works however your opinion on double albums is pretty strong right right 
What do you uh, overall think of double albums then? Let's try to introduce it that way. I think for for me, it's just like it's too much content. It's too much music. I like to get used to some something and spend a lot of time with it. Like I when I when there's an album I really love and music I super dig, right? I want to take my time with it and study it because I'm kind of obsess- obsessive about it. And when, when there's like 45 to 60 minutes, that's awesome. I can listen to a whole album to a whole album when I'm in my car or on the train or something like that. But when there's like two hours of constant input and music and stuff, for me, that's just too much. And I think they're on like on every on every album, there's some kind of filler. Like you, you mentioned or you said that on, on the last episode as well, because there's I think on almost every album there are like a standard album has what ten songs, eight songs, ten to ten to eight to twelve songs. Let's put it like that, right? And five songs are awesome, and the rest is and there's some filler on it. So, like, just by definition, there's more filler and more stuff that's not useless, but just it's just too much, just too much. So I don't I don't enjoy double albums. I enjoy it when they will be released apart from each other like one of my picks for double albums has been released over the course of a year or two years i think so i like that because i like i have the time to get used to it but released as a whole as a package i don't like that Mm. yeah so what ones in your opinion really work then and what don't work like you said then you've got one that you think does work what's that Mm -hmm. that would be system of a downs mesmerize hypnotize You can hear that they're like a like a concept album, right? They they belong to each other. Like uh, Mesmerize starts with a small intro piece, which is called Soldier Side, and Hypnotize ends with the whole song Soldier Side. Like it it ties the whole thing together, like an endless circle. Mm. That's what mm. uh, concept albums always do, right? Endless circle, purgatory, the whole thing. Uh, listen to Dream Theater's Octavarium if you're into that shit. But like when when Hypnotize was released, I got so used to Mesmerize. Like I, I, I could sing every song, I could play it, I, whatever. And I think I had I had just enough time to to study it and to get used to it. So my mm, mind was mm. open to new stuff. Mm, mm. I mean, for me, I think as well, double albums were a little bit of a product of their time. Maybe I mean, I think it was kind of. I mean, a lot of double albums were in the sort of vinyl age, right? And now you hmm. could probably squeeze them all onto one. Well, no one listens to CDs, but you could eventually squeeze them onto one CD because it would be that the actually the album's about 80 minutes long and it just split over many vinyls or whatever. Hmm. Um, so I do think partly they're a product of their, of their age a little bit. Um, however, I do think they are overblown overall. And one I particularly think doesn't work, just to balance out one that you think does work, which is Mm. more like a companion piece, is the one that will be the title of this episode, The Wall Sucks Ass. (laughs) I do not like The Wall by Pink Floyd. (laughs) At at all, actually. So the really good songs on there, so let's not, let's not like bullshit that. There's some very good songs in there. Another Brick and the Wall is a good song. Comfortably Numb is... Right. I mean, stunning, fantastic. 
Hey You is on there, Mother's on there. I think Goodbye, One Like Blue Hell Sky. is on there. Goodbye Blue Sky. So there are good songs. Yeah. I just think you could have put that as one album. Right, yeah. Um, and it would have been one of the best albums ever made. Like, But, yeah, I mean, for me, Pink Floyd peak with something like, we talked about this before, with Wish You Were Here. That's probably my favourite Pink Floyd yeah, album. Mine and as I well. I don't think there's anything on there I would cut. Actually, nothing. Not even right. one note. It's so good. Isn't The um, Wall like uh, a whole Roger Waters album? I think uh, David Gilmour had very little to do with I think he had very it, little like, input, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, I think he definitely dominated the singing and the writing on the album, mm-hmm. at least. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I just... Um, I, I, I don't necessarily agree, but people seem to suggest that The Wall is their best album and i'm not a hundred percent sure it is um mm. and for me i think it's the double nature of it that actually ruins it a little bit right it's a bit bloated because the concept is cool right I've, the, the whole mm. like the the imagery and everything in the movie and it, it, it's it's cool but it's just yeah, for, for me or for us it's just too too much and like you said uh last time it's too full of itself yeah it takes yeah, itself too sure. seriously Although I think that's a good criticism of Pink Floyd overall, and it's something I once spoke to someone about, and they said that um, they don't like Pink Floyd because their problem is they do take themselves a bit too seriously. Mm-hmm. They're a little bit up their own ass, <laughs> and I kind I kind of agree. Actually, I All can right. I can see that. I think Pink Floyd are a fantastic band, probably my top three or five artists ever. But I can see that they're not the most accessible. Mm. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, Anything else that you think does or doesn't work, double album wise? I think if I if I had to choose my favorite double album, it would be Genesis. This uh, the Lamb Lies Down on Broadway. wonderful yes it is but it's like it's almost the wall like you know what i mean because it's it's also like very full of itself and takes it itself very seriously i think peter gabriel wrote most of it but it was the last one to feature him you're correct 1974 but there's some wonderful tracks on there actually dude in the cage is awesome i think Hairless Heart is on it, right? And that's yeah, a Hairless Heart. that's a Steve Hackett one. I think that's the last Steve Hackett song in the Genesis discography. Holy crap, dude! You have to check out the live recording of Hairless Heart. I don't want to go on too many that work or don't work, but one for me that doesn't work because now I'm picking the doesn't work category. It seems because I only ever found stuff that doesn't is uh, the River Bruce Springsteen, which is his only double album. Okay, but it's um, it's just not. For me, um, I mean, he could have written another double album in the 70s, Darkness on the Edge of Town. I think he wrote over 60 songs for that. So it could, have been like a quad, it could have been like a quadruple album of some description. Like, And he Holy cut lots of them. And they kept, they were released later on, and on other albums and stuff. But The River is known mainly for The River, the title track. Mm. Quite a depressing song about a couple who get married very quickly and have a baby and uh, it's all a bit sad um but it's that doesn't sound so sad 
it's a little bit long. Well, you know, he has to work for some railroad company and all this. It's just not so good. The only one that I could think of that I think does work as a double album, but it's mainly because I love them, is The Clash, London Calling. Right. Which I think is a brilliant album, but I think it works as a double album because, like you said earlier, do I have time to sit through sort of an hour and a half or two hours of music? Hmm. Probably not. But this one's 60 minutes long. So it's only really just over the sort of 40, 45 minute limit. So it kind of feels like an album with bonus tracks a little bit. So that kind of works for me. Do you have any more to list off? Because I've listed three. One of my very, very favorite albums of all time is Avantasia's The Scarecrow. Um, Avantasia is a German... Let's call it power, like nah, rock power metal project by Tobias Summit. He's the singer and I think writer of Ed Guy. And he did in the early 2000s Avantasia as a side project. And it was basically like a metal opera, right? He wrote a story and he got uh, guest singers and whatever. And he released a double album back then. What was it called? I think it was just called Avantasia. Then there was a couple of years, nothing, a break. He, he played again with Edguy, and then he came back with Avantasia and the Scarecrow. And this huge-ass concept, right? And, for example, he got a, a very unknown singer called Alice Cooper for it. Like, who mm-hmm. the fuck is that? Who's that guy? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it was awesome. Dude, I love that album so much. Like for, like, for everyone who's into rock music or not even progressive rock, just like like an opera style because there's like different sing not not opera in the like in the singing itself in the technique mm, of singing mm, but mm. there's a character one and it's sung by singer x and there's character two and uh, his voice is by and so on like his story is being told right and that's so awesome like the story is very basic it's basically about a dude who who falls in love but the girl doesn't love him back and whatever and he's depressed story of my life right and <laughs> people enjoyed it so much that uh, Summit, I think, decided to write two more albums. Two more? I think it was, yeah, it was a trilogy in the end. I don't know if it was conceived as a trilogy, but it became a trilogy, right? And dude, as much as I love the first one, The Scarecrow, I don't can't stand the second and the third album. I don't even know what they're called. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. I, I have them. I have like an, a collector's edition box thingy and they have awesome artwork. I even have the, like the, hang on, I gotta take off my clothes. I have the actual scarecrow from the album cover tattooed on my arm. Wow. Yeah, cool. Because I love that one so much. And the, the other two albums have great artwork as well with the scarecrow again. I think there are two songs on there I love. Uh, Stargazers is one. Jesus Christ, I don't know what they're called. So yeah, those are uh, uh, concept albums, double albums, triple albums that I don't think quite work. Because I think that like the, the first one is so good in itself, right? And the story is finished. Like there's a dude, he falls in love, he doesn't get love back. That's it. That's awesome. There's, there's nothing to add, right? And to to mm. bloat the whole story up. Dude, I love Tobias Summit. I love Edgar. I love Avantasia. But for me, those other two albums could have been like a story in itself, so that's our take on double albums that we don't necessarily think work overall, especially maybe in the modern era. They don't. They may be a product of their time. But um, 
Yes, thanks for that. Good good idea to bring that up. And I'm glad we all agree that the ball sucks balls or sucks ass or whatever it is we say that it does. The album I'm hoping, the <laughs> I'm hoping our guest doesn't disagree. Though. <laughs> I think he might. <laughs> Move <Nope>. Johnson quit. <laughs> Yeah, Moose Johnson left the server. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Wall was probably one of the most influential albums of my early career, so I have to at least I have to do some slight defending on The Wall. Sorry. <laughs> Great. That's, it's fine. It's awesome. We were just yeah. saying that the songs on it that are good are really fucking good. I just wish they could have kept it to the really fucking good songs and the, probably not. I find Roger Waters has a bit of a whiny element to like after a while it's just sort of the same content coming out song after song so the tones you can hear on the other end of the line who's joined the call now is uh, quite a familiar one for bpm pod he's a fantastic artist uh really sort of cool guy canadian guy who is just a fun guy to be around and uh, he's one of my friends also so uh welcoming back to bpm pod in our sort of renewed format with chris as a co-host uh is moves johnson so welcome, Moves. I'm gonna get you wet. Get you wet. Like a hot tub jet. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm gonna make you sweat. You're gonna get so wet. Yes, you can't bet. I wanna be a suspect. In the case of who made you wet. Who made you wet. You're gonna want a police check. Cause I'm a threat. Yes, you can't bet. I threaten your dryness. Soaker wet. Oh, yeah. Get you wet. As you can get. All down the back of your neck. Oh, yeah. So wet. Yeah. You be wet, baby. So are you wet? Are you wet? Thank you very much for having me. Hi, guys. Hi, Chris. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, dude. Uh, and Ashley, great to be back. I, I love Yeah, you. well, we, we met each other not very long ago, right? So yeah. uh, we we don't have that much to talk about. So, uh, yeah, great. Uh, thanks for off of our chest. Yeah. So uh, that was Moves Johnson there, everybody. Bye. Um, yeah. <laughs> great to have you. No, shut up. So, I mean, you were performing quite a lot last time and um, teaching a little bit too. And I would see you quite regularly around Berlin, either doing your own gigs or doing open mics and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the world went and fucked itself. Um what have you been doing since then? How have you been keeping creative? Because you're always out and about. What have you been doing? But you're always out and about and very creative. So this must be a bit of a, a different it was a, atmosphere. I think it was a real, it was a head fuck at first. Um, because also when I was on your podcast the last time, busking was a larger part of my repertoire. And I mean, I was trying already to move away from busking and try to get into... Um, uh, more like like venue related shows and stuff like this, but I mean, COVID just threw that out. You can't even do venue shows now. It's it's all online shit. Um, but I was you're right. I was so busy. I was like every day. I was playing for for hours on end. I was so in practice, and uh, I I haven't had to like sing for more than a song. Um, I haven't really had to do that in months, and my voice is so out right now. Like. I was practicing. Um, I finally got my piano and stuff set up, and I sat down and started practicing for the first time in a while. And it's just, I'm so fucking out of practice. 
Um, cause I only need to do things for like two minutes at a time, you know, a, a one-off performance <clears throat> or if I'm, I'm recording something, I just need to get that guitar part. Right. Um, so, so it's just, it's, it's a different dynamic. Um, but that said, I'm, I'm, I'm doing a lot of recording. I'm doing a lot of, I've just moved into a new studio space, which is this lovely area behind me where, um, we're slowly building it up. Uh, and, and. I've got to do the sound dampening and stuff. I've only been in here a couple of weeks. And, um, and so we're slowly building things up. Uh, I've got my company agency. I don't know how you describe it, but, but I've got a, um, uh, moves Johnson music is sort of a whole collective of, of things and, and any and everything music related. Uh, and we've just released our first, um, how do I put it? Like our first artist who isn't me, basically our, our first. Yeah. yeah you've almost, you've almost become like a label of sorts now. Yeah. Right? But like a very indie sort of label. Like I, um, I have a friend back in Canada, neon Tom, who, uh, he just released his first song on Spotify and we acted as his distributor for that. And now he's working on his second single, and I am actually the, I didn't do the recording or anything. All this gets done in Canada by a wonderful place called We Love Sound Entertainment. And I can't recommend them enough if you're Canadian and stuff. Dane is a great engineer, but um, I'm doing the mixing and a little bit of the mastering for the, um, for the single now that it's recorded. And we'll be putting that one out hopefully in a couple of, in like a month or so. Um, I've got my own EP coming out on, I think it should be out the 18th of March, uh, like two, three weeks that comes out. And yeah, it's just been really, really, I can't go up and play so much anymore. So I've been trying to fill my time with everything else that I can. And I've been really fortunate that there's so much available still. The music community in Berlin is still so active despite this. So, um, yeah. What can, what can we expect from your uh, EP? What sort of style are you going for here? Because we're going to talk a little bit in a minute about um, this semi-sort of orchestral kind of project you've got going on, but what, what can we expect from your EP? Is that more in the sort of singer-songwriter blues kind uh, of vein? Or? I think it's more the folk rock stuff. It's a lot of the stuff that moves Johnson. Well, you played on my first two singles, Ashley, and, and I think they I were did. very... You they did? were just like two songs that I that I wrote that I wanted to get recorded and get out there. Um, and so they were, they weren't really related to each other in any way. They were just two isolated songs. I think this EP is a little more of a, the three songs have a little bit more in connection with each other. They've got a little bit more structure in that way. Um, they've been planned out and, uh, and a little, there's a little more forethought that's gone into them. I've been playing these live for a long time now and, uh, and the band that that recorded with me has been playing them with me, so they're they're a little more. Everybody knows what we we want to achieve and how the sound is supposed to be, um, but it's just some good old fashioned rock and roll. Uh, we we use. I, I don't play very good lead guitar. I um, my guitar soloing just isn't that. I, I don't. It's not for me to to fill that role. And so we have Sorsha Thompson as our violin player. And she takes all the leads and we have an electric violin sort of picking that up. And I'm still there with my guitar and uh, singing away. We've got a, a great drummer, Matan Goldstein, who, I mean, he's such a music slut. He gets around and he's, he's in everybody's band. Um, 
but he he's our drummer and then uh he actually sings a little bit of backup on the album as well a little bit of backup vocal and i do i do most of the rest i do the guitar i do the bass i i wrote the songs i do the lead um i'm mixing and mastering that ep as well uh so i'm i'm just sort of taking all of the lead role any, anything that i couldn't find someone to help me with actually that's not entirely true a friend of mine mo danger uh he is a very good friend of mine also from canada but he lives in berlin and he was the recording engineer on the album when we went to do it and uh and he's been a lot of help just he he's a legend in, and 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 a god in his own right musically and and just to have him sort of go that's you should fix that or you know do that redo that or you may, might want to bring your mix up a little bit in this way or that way just having his input has been nothing but beneficial bpm pod want to put on your tweed jacket smoke a pipe and listen to the best tunes from yesteryear Now you can with Vintage Radio. At Vintage Radio, we play all the best tunes from their 1910s, 20s, and 30s, plus some unknown ones from your dance hall days, direct from our gramophone to your ears through the latest wireless technology. And by that, I mean the wireless is an old-fashioned radio word, not this Wi-Fi mumbo-jumbo. You'll hear all their classics in the absolute lowest fidelity possible. I'm your host, Robert Spiffin Winston, a 20-something Berlin hipster who bought the gramophone at a market and now thinks he's an absolute legend. Tune into Media Wave 678 for Vintage Radio and subscribe today to our printed mailed newsletter too for a special edition about the Whoopenkopf vaccine. Toodle pip! Yeah, I, I, have, I have two questions, um, yeah. especially about like doing everything by yourself, because I, I think Ashley as well, I know about it, like you write the song, you play on it, you mix it, you master it, you release it, you do the merchandise, whatever. How do you stay objective while finishing the song? Because you 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 cannot stay objective, right? You, you try to be, but you are, you'll always be subjective. Well, that's I think part of it is, yeah, like you, you hit the nail on the head. You can't be perfectly objective. So like I will make little premixes or I'll get to a certain checkpoint and then I'll, uh, I'll sort of hand them out to, to, I'll let the band listen to it. I'll let my friend uh, Mo listen to it and stuff like this and sort of get their feedback. And I, I'm, I'm sort of fortunate in, in that I'm very lazy. These songs were recorded in September and, and we're only just getting around to finishing them up now. Um, and every time I sit down to like, sometimes it'll be a week or two before I'm even able to, to work on them again. And in that time I've kind of refreshed my palate. I'm able to, to sort of listen to them with, with fresher ears. Mm. And sometimes you're like, Oh, that's not actually like, I thought the vocals sat really nicely, but they're actually very loud and, and it's, or, you know, the violin's a lot muddier than, than I, Than last time because your ears just sort of wear down on you after a while right. so it's, it's just a combination of asking for inputs and and taking i think it, i think it's taken too much time i'd have really liked to get this this ep out you know late last year but also because i'm doing it myself I'm, i want to do it right right and uh 
And so, and there's not, there's no deadlines. It's not like I do have a label to answer to. So, so I, you know, step by step. And now we're finally at a point where I'm, I think I'm happy sharing them with the world. And when you, when you receive input from, from like your, like your mixing engineer friend or your, like your, your bandmates, uh, mm -hmm. you could call them that, where, where do you cross the line? Like, uh, to me, it sounds like you're open to, to improvements or You know, like whenever someone says like, you should try to brighten up that violin, like you mentioned, right? Mm. So that's ob obviously something you consider, right? But where would you, where would you draw the line? Like, I, I would not change that or that or that. Um, I, well, okay. So it comes down to the mix more than, than the song. It's, mm. I think a lot of the time, the band, because we've been playing these songs specifically, Uh, before the pandemic, we were playing them live. So the band kind of had a feel that they were going for. The band knew how certain parts are supposed to be. The band has made suggestions on, oh, we should really, you know, we should drop here and build up or something to that effect. And so when we went into record, a lot of that was already set. There didn't really need to be discussions about, about those elements. And so now when it comes just to the mixing and mastering, I am more open to that. It's just like, if you can't hear something clearly on your speakers or, you know, if your ears are trained better than mine and you do notice something, that's the kind of thing I want to know. That's exactly why I'm, you know, farming it out for, for advice. Um, but Constructive I, criticism. Exactly. Right. Um, like I wouldn't be asking for it if I didn't think that I required it. And um, when it comes to like, I, I think at this point, if somebody turned around and told me, Oh, you should change I don't like the words here. I don't like the, um, like, I don't think you should, you should hit the solo at this point. At, at some point somebody said, Oh, there's a lot of violin on this album. And I was like, yeah, the violin is, is the lead. Like, like there, there should be the violin is very much um, one of the focal elements of the three songs. And, and it's not like the violin takes the lead melody in everything. It's not like, like the whole song uh, EP focuses on these violin parts. But there is violin on every track. And so it's like somebody was like, you, should, you don't need violin here. I'm like, well, but <laughs> like they have their parts. And, and that's to me where the mix comes in. If the, the violin should be the focus or if something else should be what you're, you're paying attention to, that's where that's more what I, I, I take away from it. If somebody goes, you don't, you don't need that. Or I don't like how you sang that. For the most part, I just kind of. I've been told for a long time, like, oh, I don't like that. Or you should change that. Or, you know, what would be really cool if you did it this way. And it's just, like, at that point, you hand somebody the guitar, or you hand them the microphone, you know what you do it. If you, if this is not <laughs> your vision, you know, and, um, and if it is, then you do it. And yeah. So that's sort of where I draw the line in the composition element. I want to jump into something that's going to like, probably take quite a lot to get out of performers. And that's something you're working on. I know you've been working on because we spoke about it uh, privately and it's these more sort of um, wider, I don't, I don't want to say orchestral, is that really the right word? But more sort of, um, what's, what's a better way to put it? Classical is also not the right word, but it, it, these more sort of wider, longer sort of pieces, or instrumental pieces that you've been putting together based on interviews with, was it with your grandfather? It's with correct? my grandfather. So my grandfather, my dad was born in London, England. Um, This is why his English accent impression is so good, by the way. <laughs> Thank you very much. I really appreciate that. Um, but, well, this is, I, I used to talk about this when I was a child. Um, yeah. When I was like four or five years old and my grandparents were, uh, 
um, looking after me and stuff at, at first before school, I, I used to have a little bit of an accent on certain words and stuff. And I've grown up around that, around the Cockney accent my whole life. Um, and so my dad, my grandfather was born in London um, and he was about five or six years old during the Second World War when the Battle of Britain happened and when all of the bombs were falling. And I'd always kind of known that I, I, we'd always, it's always been in sort of the background of our family history, but it, but it's never, it doesn't come up, you know, it doesn't, it's not something we talk about very often. And recently, I mean, he's getting on in years at this point. And uh, my grandmother as well, his wife has, unfortunately, she's got really bad Alzheimer's and dementia. She's gone into the home and he's kind of getting to the point he was getting depressed. And he was, um, I think at this point, he's gone back into the home in Canada as well. And, um, the last time I went to visit him, I, I just, I, I, he never talked about these times and I knew that this would be one of my last opportunities to really speak to him about these things. And so I just sat down with my phone and asked him, what was it like to grow up with bombs falling around you and having to sleep in, in the underground and stuff? And it was really interesting. I got a whole family history that I think my, my dad and my aunts, like they knew, um, like they were born in England. They came over here. Like he didn't flee the war or anything. He left for Canada when he was in his thirties. And so my, like my parents, my mom or my dad and, and his sister rather, they, they kind of always knew about this and they never talked about it. They never brought it up. They, they just took it as given. And I, I started asking him about things and there was stuff that just, I, I didn't know about my great grandfather, about his dad um, and how he'd fought in the first world war. And uh, Harry is the guy who adopted, ended up adopting my grandfather after the fact. Um, and I didn't know any of this information or like the specifics of how it happened. And he was very open about it. Um, and, and I showed my brother and sister and they were, they were also just like, Oh, we didn't like, this is totally new shit to us. Like none of us were aware of, of these things. And it's always sort of been my dream to put those to, to music a little bit. And now that I live in Berlin, where a lot of these planes were coming from to drop the bombs, I thought it would be very appropriate to do recording, to, to, to make this music and make this album in Berlin. Um, and, and yeah, it, I, it just didn't call for rock and roll. It didn't call for a a pop theme. Do you know what I mean? The, the, these songs are serious and I don't sing for these songs. We take his actual recordings um, and use like him as the, the dialogue, as the lyrics. And I play his recordings over the music um, while, while the band sort of orchestrates everything. And, um, and yeah, it just seemed much more appropriate given, given the content and given the, the themes. So yeah, but we have, there's violin in that too. There's, um, there are violin pieces. Uh, I think my original compositions, I had, um, some oboes and some flutes going in like much more orchestral arrangements. And, uh, there's one where he talks about after the war where, um, food was starting to come back in jobs were becoming more, uh, like they were becoming a thing again. And he talks about working in a restaurant and stealing food because if he got caught eating at the restaurant, you were fired. And there was an Indian guy, uh, like from from India, who was very very new to England. wasn't used to to Indians and curry and stuff yet. And he was a very um, he stood out in the crowd. And so my grandfather tells this story about how he'd sneak the Indian guy beer, and the Indian guy'd sneak him curry. 
and uh, and he'd have to like hide under the laundry uh, under the laundry hampers in the back of the hotel eating the curry, and then he'd come out. His face is all hot and, and exploding and stuff, and he's hiding underneath the uh, hampers. People are throwing dirty laundry on him while he's eating it. And, and so I, I, like, I try to take a sitar at, at that point and, and, and be thematic about what he's telling. And, um, and I try, like, that music's more playful. It's a joking song. And then he talks about, um, about how they had, they used cardboard for the soles of their shoes because they, they didn't have any money growing up. And, and these songs tend to be a little more, they're more somber, they're slower. Um, I, uh, I, I gave them a little bit more of an Eastern European vibe because to me, that's the sound of poverty. <laughs> it sounds really bad. We just offended everyone. In I know. I didn't even have it's got this very, um, like, like they're going to get on their horse and carts and come here and complain. I, yeah. Could, I, could, could we have that on a t-shirt, please? Like BPM merchandise. The sound of poverty. At this point, just the sound of poverty. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah so, and it just, we tell the whole story of uh, from, from his earliest memories of growing up during the war and then, uh, getting old he's for six seven years old and then he gets older he meets my grandmother um they uh they have a family together he starts to get work and stuff and then eventually he moves to canada with um with his two children and that's sort of where the album ends is is him you know in his 30s uh moving to canada to to start a newer life and put more cardboard We were hungry in those days. Before we went to school in the morning, your great-grandma used to, when she bought a loaf of bread, she'd save half a loaf and then cut it in four. And then she used to pour hot milk over it and sprinkle sugar on it. And that was our cereal. And we loved that bread. of creating songs i asked ashley uh, last week about his favorite and i like to make that a, a reoccurring segment on the show right like you have to have gear for actually making music right because we cannot play music without a fucking guitar or a keyboard exactly yeah what is your like pick i don't know one two three i don't i don't care pick your favorite three pieces of gear I don't care what it is. It's a guitar. It's a cable. It's a fucking pick or a microphone. And tell us, tell us a bit about it. What makes it special to you? Uh, how did you use it over the years? Could be new. Could be old. Could be broken. Could be sold. I think uh, Ash told us about something that he already sold. 
Um, no, 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 no. I, I bought something secondhand. Oh, right, least. right, right. Yeah. Ah, okay. But, but, but yeah, it doesn't matter if it's new, old, and something that's just that is indispensable to you. Right. Something that's indispensable to me. Um, well, lately, actually, because I've not only been doing music, I'm, I've actually got my own podcast that I've been working on as well. And uh, lately, I've been using this wonderful microphone. I'm going to disrupt the sound quality right here. But this wonderful Yeti Blue, okay. um, which... Yeah, I think we're using the same mic. And and since I've started going into the, since COVID and since I've had to start dealing with online uh, interactions more, this has been an indispensable microphone because it can sit on my desk. I don't have to hold it up close. I don't have to, like, it can just be where it is. The sound quality is good. Um, I used it as the microphone for all of the podcasts and, and I just set it to... Uh, to a stereo image and it was picking up evenly both uh both conversationalists let's say um and i really it's it's been very very helpful for me in terms of just only needing one microphone instead of having to set up three or four or five different things to get the same effect um but that said i don't think i'd ever really use it in in a sort of live environment or a, a sort of studio environment rather i don't think i'd be recording guitar with it or vocals or anything it's 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 really just been helpful for for me transitioning into this online market. Um, I really like. I think I said this last time I was on your podcast as well. Uh, a slapback delay is one of my favorite sounds, and um, just like I, I think I'm as big a Fred Durst fan as Ashley is. I really do, and um, just that, that 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 little bit of echo that's coming off the vocals is wonderful, and I, I, I prefer the reverb. Um, like all of the vocals that are on this EP. I've been using delays instead of reverbs uh, for them because I just, I like the way it's, it feels more natural. It's, I think it sounds more full uh, yet, it, yet it still doesn't get in the way of like, it doesn't bleed into the other instruments as, as badly. I, I really, really like the sound and I think it, it gives a, a, a signature tone, whether it's my signature or someone else's signature, like you can just tell. And I, and I really like the, the way that goes. And then so like, what would be your, your go-to delay plugin or pedal? I use Reaper as my uh, interface, as my um, DAW. Oh. Yeah, and uh, they, um, they just have the built-in, like there's seven or eight delays right now uh, that come with it. And the floaty delay is the one that I keep returning to. But there are, there are a couple of really good ones. I've played around with other ones, but the floaty delay, I think, is just the the cleanest and the best. Um, it just sounds the most responsive. Uh, and I, I prefer that one. Um, but that said, I have, I have some other ones that, that come back and forth here and there. The management thing is really cool for drums as well, because you can handle stereo imaging, but you can also handle the reflections. And, uh, and that, that I found really helpful with drums. Um, mm. But yeah, and then I have, I have my guitar that I came here with that I've been busking with for years. And it's all beaten up and it looks like it's a working guitar because because she is. But I mean, she's she's very temperamental. She's all scarred up because she likes to take dives and take falls. And, uh, <laughs> and I don't let her out of the case too much because as soon as I put it somewhere, it'll fall over and crash and burn. Um, but but uh, it's definitely been one of my most I couldn't have gotten this far without that guitar. Um And so I have to I have to give credit where it's due there a little bit. And do you teach uh, do you teach lessons with that guitar? 
Sorry. Not usually with that guitar. I have, I don't know if you can see, I have several guitars in the corner here. I have another guitar here, which is, which I, I don't, I'm not really supposed to take this one out. It, it kind of lives in the studio because it's related to another project that I work on with, with these podcasts and stuff. And, um, and so, yeah, I, just, I tend to take the, uh, the Yamaha. My other one's uh, Art and Luthery from Canada, made with all Canadian wood. Um, but my, uh, I, I tend to take the uh, the Yamaha out because it's a little more durable and it's a little more um, just. I can, it, it can handle the elements more. I'm I'm just so worried that my my Art and Luthery will be the next time it falls will be the last. So I try really hard to reserve it for shows and concerts. It also looks really good for photo ops and stuff like that. And and so I. Uh, yeah, I try to I try to reserve it for specifically gigs and things. Make make that final fall more impactful, right? <laughs> yeah, right. If I can do it on camera, may as well do that. That's uh, <laughs> yeah. thing where can people find out all of this stuff that you're doing where's the best place to keep up to date with the music with the lectures with the orchestral project where can we head to onlyfans.com is basically the the one-stop shop i mean you can find me on facebook uh at moves johnson instagram at moves johnson um like all all of the usual channels of spotify and i, I think we're on title and deezer and all of this stuff but um but yeah, it's uh, movesjohnson.com is, is you can click the links there and they'll take you to title. They'll take you to Spotify. They'll take you to all of these places. So I, I think that's just the best, most centralized place. So, yeah. And what 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 song, what album would you recommend for a Moves Johnson version? <laughs> so I used to actually be in a band called Stereo Blastula and that band... Um, That's an awesome fucking name. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, we really, that's what we thought when we took it. And we were like, yeah, we're, we're keeping that. It's a bitch to type in an email or something, though. Like you, you never it's really bad in terms of marketing. It feels good once you're finished typing, right? Oh, yeah, it's an achievement. <laughs> um, but yeah, I used to play um, I used to I used to play drums for that band and, and I would sing and play drums. And then I became uh We got a full-time drummer and then I moved to the front singing. Uh, I play a little bit, bit of guitar, but we also had guitar players that came in as well. Um, and so I would actually recommend starting with Stereo Blastula and you'll sort of see like anything from there and, and you can sort of see the evolution. Settle on a time. 
best we ever did It's like the death of the arcade Don't know what you've got till it's gone It's like the death of the arcade You don't see the lights till they shut off And then, um... We've got the two songs right now that are on Spotify. I think Skin Complexions, of the two of them, Skin Complexion is my favorite uh, of the two that are on Spotify, but Wet seems to be everybody else's favorite. It's always the joke songs that you write uh, without being it's a very, It's a very serious song about staying hydrated. It is, it is. Shout out to hydration. We, we all need it. And uh, But yeah, it's... <laughs> We have music videos for both of them. Um, and you can even see, if you go to the YouTube channel for Moves Johnson, it's uh, like there's there's videos of me busking, there's vi music videos for these songs, um, live performances, everything like that. I, I think YouTube's a pretty good place or the, or the website. But this EP that, that's coming out in, in March, uh, Trapped in the Rhythm Cage, is my right now the one i'm most proud of that's the one i'm really excited to share with the world and the one i'm really happy uh that, that i finally get to get, get to share with people so that i would say stay tuned for that if you'd asked me this a month from now i would say start with the ep but uh any anything at this point i'm just happy you guys are listening <laughs> well it's been a pleasure yeah. as always always uh, oh my it it's feels so good to to be doing stuff like this again too so yeah, I mean, it'd be much better in person. Maybe one day we'll get that done. Someday. But, uh, but this, yeah, someday. someday. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be like when we're pensioners or something. It's going to yeah. be like. <laughs> My kids will be interviewing us. What was it like to have to do all this shit during the pandemic? What was it like to always ask someone on a Zoom call if they're on mute? Like, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was awful, yeah. quite frankly. Yeah. But uh, thank you very much for this. Guys, thank moves. you very much for um, having me. It's been great. And uh, thank you for coming along. And uh, check out movesjohnson.com. There we go. Moves Johnson there. What a, what a fun guy. Right? Dude, totally. Like, super nice. I want to hug him. Everyone wants to hug Moves. Does he Mo smell moves. good? He smells... I, I'm sure he smells good, right? Depends what's said in. So uh, I don't feel at liberty to answer that question uh, right now. Damn, I should yeah. have asked him. <laughs> Let's get him back online. <laughs> Do you smell good right now? Um, I've seen him in some situations where he really doesn't, but uh, there we go. Never mind. <laughs> so we're co coming towards the end of the episode now. So thank you very much to everyone for listening. Uh, this has been the second episode with Chris here on uh, BPM Pod. You can find out more about BPM Pod wherever it is you get your podcasts. So that might be Acast, Popping, iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, Google, wherever you get them uh, is BPM Pod. You can interact with BPM Pod on Facebook and Instagram too. If you've got comments on double albums, on fake or real band names, anything we've talked about today or anything you want to hear about, that is the place to go. But before we go, I'm going to end the episode as a mirror of how you ended it for me last time. And you asked me about musical gear I couldn't live without. And we talked a little bit about it there with moves as well. What then to you would be a piece of musical gear you can't live without? And what's the story behind it? Like pretty, for me, that's the serious question, right? Because I'm, I'm, a, I'm a gearhead. I love, I love to buy stuff and sell stuff and everything. But there are a very few items that have been stuck with me for couple of years and i think the most important one would be my white telecaster fender telecaster which is right behind me 
uh, on the video, which you guys cannot see right now, but I'm <laughs> pointing towards it. Uh, it's basically a stock fender. Oh, it's a, I think it's Mexican, Mexican Telecaster. Like that's a series before they um, like turn it into the player series. I, I, I think it's a new format, whatever. 600 euros. And I switched the pickups for Simo, a Simo Duncan vintage stack because I used to have a small like kind of endorsement thing, artist deal with Seymour Duncan. And that fucking guitar's been through hell with me. And I use it basically on everything. And people hate me for it. Like my my Why? band, like, I don't know. My bandmates fucking hate telecasters. And I oh, tell I them, fuck you. <laughs> Yeah, I love a telly. I don't understand why people don't like them. I really Me love neither. them, actually. You can use them basically yeah. for anything. Like, like they, I think they're so versatile. Of course, they have the twang, right? But especially yeah. in, a, in a rock metal context, like it just bites through. It hits you right in the face whenever you play a fucking single note riff. So, mm. How long have you had it now? I think four to five years. Okay. Yeah. What would you say away from guitars? Because I know you're a big pedal guy too, and we'll expand it just specifically for pedals in a minute. If this I this would change, because obviously it depends what sound you're going for, and you don't right. always use the same pedal for the same thing. But at least what at the minute on your, is on your mind of oh, I really can't get rid of that pedal. Like it's pretty useful still. Um, uh, there is one, and it's the Boss DD7 delay. Delay, yeah, dude, and and especially the the DD7. I love the analog mod. It's, it's I think it's modeled after the DM2, like the original and um, analog delay. What's it called? Um, Bucket Brigade delay thing. Like whenever like it repeats, they they drop off their highs and everything. There's a filter on it and like typical analog stuff. And I actually modded it with a friend of mine. We built a tap tempo switch in it like we drilled a hole in it and uh, added a switch to the to the switch like there's a, like a small foot switch on top of the foot switch so i don't wow. have to have an extra pedal for tap tempo which actually makes it quite nasty to turn on but it's handy <laughs> and i love it it's so much dude it's like this thing is so fucked up it's been everywhere on every tour on every gig always dd7 my man Thank you very much, Chris. Thank you, Ash. And uh, stay lucky, everybody. And we'll speak to you on the next episode of BPM Pod. Take care, everyone.